Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Charles Larson, RN Senior Director at Banner Health in Phoenix, and Angie Franks, President and CEO of Central Logic, about a new first-in-the-nation service designed to ensure COVID-19 patients in Arizona receive access to the care they need. And now, on to the show. Hi, this is Jay Kumar, and I'm uh, joined today by Charlie Larson, RN, who is uh, RN Program Director of the COVID-19 Response Team for the Arizona Department of Health Services. How's it going, Charlie? Very well, thank you. And I've got Angie Franks, who's CEO of Central Logic, who uh, is is working with uh, with Arizona on this new system called the Arizona Surge Line. How you doing, Angie? Great, Jay. Thank you. Uh, excellent. And I guess um, you know, let's sort of jump right in and talk about what this uh, what this program is and how you guys are working on. It. So I don't know. Um, uh, actually, I guess I'll have Charlie start. You know. Charlie, what's the sort of the situation with COVID in, in your state and, and how did this program, uh, this initiative come together? Oh, sure, thanks. Um, you know, what we were what we were starting with at the at the Arizona Department of Health Services was um, really trying to pick the brains of some of our some of our other state departments uh, of health and uh, those who maybe were experiencing the the surge a little bit more than we were at the moment and tried to get from them, you know, what are some lessons learned and what would you wish you had done differently and and um, and, and what can we learn from you and what can we do? Uh, and so that that work was done prior to my engagement. Um, I, I am by my by my normal job working for Banner Health. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the senior director of the transfer services department. Um, and we I was contacted by the state as they started to explore ideas. And one of the things that they had learned from the other states like Washington and, and New York and talking with some of those folks was that um, there were hospitals uh, in certain areas where COVID outbreak, you know, sort of pockets formed and those hospitals would get quickly overwhelmed as the patients were getting admitted and into the ICUs, et cetera. And so what they had, what they had shared with the Arizona Department of Health was that they wish they had somewhat better way to load level these patients across the different organizations, across the different hospitals, so that um, not one hospital was overwhelmed while another was was available with open beds. And, you know, that's what really sparked the conversation with me. I, I got a call from the Department of Health and we started talking about different options. And, and there was already some um, degree of collaboration happening um, at different levels between physicians and administrators and executives from the different health systems. Uh, this was another big opportunity for the state. And so, um, so that's really how we engaged and, and pulled together from Phoenix and Tucson, you know, all the major uh, systems and talked about how we could do this and how we could um, put aside maybe any any competitive differences or things like that that might be lingering, but really do what we could to serve, you know, the citizens of Arizona and make sure that we prepared for what we believe uh, believed was a, a coming surge of patients into our hospitals. Um, and Angie, how did how did uh, how did you guys get involved uh, with this initiative? Well, we got involved because of Charlie and and the role that he uh, played in in terms of pulling this together on behalf of the state, but but um, also as as our client who uh, leads the transfer services initi- initiative and function for all of Banner Health System, and uh, Central Logic works with uh, with Charlie in that capacity. Great, and and so now 
as far as the statewide initiative goes, is, has it begun or is it still sort of being put into place? Where where are things stand right now? Um, no, the the program has launched and it's it's been pretty successful early on. We we had a soft launch, as I use a, a air quotes here. We had a soft launch back on the 21st of April. Um, spent about a week, maybe not quite. Um, you know, just working with the health systems and developing our processes and protocols, and we we would say, you know, send us a couple of transfers each day uh, as you see fit. And we would we would take those transfers and work through those processes and, and then get, get feedback, give feedback, all those kinds of things um, in preparation for our formal launch with, uh, with Governor Ducey's announcement of the program. And how does it work exactly? Um, you know, the, the program is really, we're, we're seeking, you know, the problem we're trying to solve is load leveling uh, and, and making sure that all of the systems are able to um, handle the volume of patient transfers that come to them. And so we function to, to do just that as well as monitor um, and coordinate. And so, um, you know, the state all has, you know, there's different levels of, of response to this pandemic. And, and uh, as we get into the more elevated levels, it, it starts to involve patient triage. And that's a kind of a scary thought. And um, if we wanted to get to a place where, you know, if, if we did have to elevate our uh, one system or our, or our state level of triage, so now that we are potentially um, making the decision not to care for a patient because of the likelihood of survival, um, that we would be all doing that in unison. And so the transfer center, the, I'm sorry, the surge line as it was constructed, uh, really is meant to sit on top of and be a front door to all of the other transfer centers that already exist. There's some big health systems in, in the state and with most larger health systems, you have a transfer center and access center that helps get patients into their system and for care. Uh, and we didn't want to infringe on any of those processes. We didn't want to make that any more difficult. We didn't want to be another step um, uh, that didn't add value. And so what, what we do at the surge line is we take an incoming call from, uh, from a rural community or maybe even a major system, just depending on the, on the situation. And, um, and then we load balance based on available beds, um, ventilator capacity, what's the recent, you know, X number of transfers and where have they gone so that, again, we're, we're sharing that load and not overwhelming one system. But what we do is we, we take that patient that has been referred to us and then we hand it off to the transfer center for their normal processes. So it's a very quick interaction with the surge line. We get uh, some basic information on the patient so that there's uh, a level of oversight and monitoring from the state so we can understand where these transfers are coming from. And then we hand it to the various systems for them to work their normal processes and get the patient placed. So, so I don't even know, for example, if a hospital system has 10 hospitals uh, within, I don't know necessarily right away, at least, which hospital the patient's going to. I'm handing it to that system and their mm -hmm. transfer center and then letting them manage the, manage the patient. So, so we, we kind of sit on top and work as a front door for the rural community. We're a one-stop shop. We, you, you dial one phone number and essentially you're calling every transfer center in the state uh, and we evaluate which one is most appropriate to take the patient and then hand it off. And then really at the level of monitoring, because, you know, everyone has agreed, uh, all of the health systems have agreed that, you know, if we're going to elevate our triage level, we're going to do so together. Um, and so what the surge line does now with our, with our um, ability to view bed capacity and availability, we're able to kind of wave that flag a little bit or, you know, start to start to sound the siren when, you know, the health systems are all now at 70% or the health systems now are at 80% or 85% or whatever it may be. 
we can um, make sure that everyone is aware uh, of where they're at. And so then those decisions can be made together. Um, luckily, we haven't had to get there yet, uh, but we're, we're still monitoring closely. Um, and how many systems and hospitals are we talking about across the state? You know, uh, there's a, well, if you look at all how many hospitals across the state, you know, across the state that are involved in this, there's probably greater than 100. It, it depends on what level of involvement they have, you know. Mm -hmm. So within Phoenix and Tucson, there's about a dozen different health systems um, that are receiving these patients. And, and there are there are health systems as well as outside of the major metropolitan areas that are receiving patients. And we try to keep patients as close as we can to their, to their, um, to their home. Um, but you know, as we developed all this and had our daily meetings and our collaboration discussions, it was about a dozen systems. Uh, but when you look at, you know, who's receiving, who's sending, um, and all those involved, that's, you know, that's every hospital in the state that this is available to. And, and that's even expanding now to the prisons and, uh, you know, SNFs, long-term cares, and things like that, that all would need to transfer COVID-related patients. Um, and in terms of COVID itself, how, uh, I guess, at what stage is Arizona? Like, is are you still expecting uh, a peak surge of patients uh, a few weeks down the line? Or, like, where, where are you guys at in terms of the impact? You know, it's, yeah, you know, we're, we're dealing with the unknown. And it's really, um, it's kind of scary to think about. But, you know, there's different predictive models that look at data uh, from around the country, from around the world. Um, and, and based on those models, we get varying um, predictions of when we'll hit our peak. So I've I've heard things from May 1st was our peak, and I've heard things like May 22nd or even June 11th could be the peak. And so, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, very smart folks working on that, and uh, and I would defer to them on what you know what that actual number is or what that date's going to be. But in, in all honesty, we're still preparing um, and still um, planning on just to be safe. The surge is still coming. Okay. Um... Angie, can you sort of tell us a little bit about how your technology uh, works and sort of how how you've been able to sort of scale it up to uh, to to do this sort of larger task? Sure. No, a great question, Jay. You know, if if you think about um, what Charlie just described and the work that he was leading at Banner and that uh, Central Logic was facilitating with our technology. We, we help drive systemness and help a health system operate as one organization and make, make good decisions as to uh, the orchestration and navigation of patients, moving them to the right location um, for the care that they need and, and, to, and to facilitate that in a very timely manner. Um, when, you, when you apply that same uh, solution to the problem that we have with, with COVID, we're really looking at the public health operating, uh, the public health system operating as a system versus private individual hospital systems operating as a system. So the technology works um, as it would inside of a health system. It's just able to be applied to a much broader uh, geography and a much uh, larger number of, of organizations that could participate but it's still all for the same purpose of ensuring that patients get to the right care that they need, they get to the right location where they're best able to be cared for, and that that decision is facilitated in the 
in the most timely manner possible. And when you can put those things together and you can apply that to any system, whether the system is the public health system for the state of Arizona or an individual hospital and health system, uh, you, you ensure that, that the patient outcome is superior because they begin to get the care and the treatment that they need um, in the most optimal um, time possible. And, and that's basically all we did. We took the same technology solution that we offer to a multi-entity health system or even to a standalone hospital, and we just applied that same, uh, that same technology and that same solution to a, just a larger scale problem. And, uh, and it was designed to, uh, to do this. It was purpose-built for this type of scenario, and uh, we're just uh, excited that we had the opportunity to, uh, to do this uh, on behalf of Charlie and the team at, at Banner and on behalf of the citizens of the state of Arizona. And um, am I correct in understanding that this is the first time uh, something like this has been done uh, in the country? Or are there, are there similar kinds of programs? No, no, go ahead, Angie, please. No, no, you, you're, you're, um, you're involved much more nationally. Uh, you, you go for it. Okay. I, I was just going to say, you know, I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of collaboration amongst the state health departments. And of course, I'm not involved in every one of those discussions or meetings. I understand that there are um, other similar programs um, being developed or, or um, recently launched. Um, I'll say, uh, to the best of my knowledge, that the, the Arizona surge line uh, concept was the first one to lift off the ground in the country. Okay. I think what makes it unique is that whole concept that Charlie was talking about with load balancing and, and solving that problem where you can actually pull in the data from all the various health systems for the purpose of facilitating a, a decision as to what's the right uh, what's the right place for that patient to go. Um, that's, a, that's a tough problem for other uh, technology companies to solve, but is one that, that you know, from a central logic standpoint, this is, um, you know, this is, a, this is a kind of a core tenant of, of what, we, what we do. And, um, and being able to pull that data together, kind of operating like Switzerland, we don't, we don't care what the back end system is. Um, we're pulling the right information together to facilitate that decision quickly. Um, I think that's that is something unique uh, right now in the in the country. Uh, and since you announced this, which I guess was a couple of weeks ago now, uh, have you heard from any other states who are interested in um, some doing something similar? Yeah, we have actually. Um, we've we've heard from from many states. Okay. So uh, I think Arizona is definitely in the lead here. Um, and is that, would that and, be... And, I, and if I... Go ahead, go ahead. I apologize, I was going to say, and if I, if I can just elaborate on that, you know, it's, um, we're building this, this Arizona surge line today in response to COVID-19. Uh, but as we construct this and build it and, and, and work through these processes and protocols, this is being built for the long haul, right? And so I really do think this becomes a, uh, a staple of the state emergency management departments and um, and something that, you know, no matter what the case may be down the road, uh, the application of this concept is similar uh, or is identical, likely, uh, to what we're doing today. So I think that um, if, if the states are not, you know, involved in it yet, I, I truly believe they will be. Uh, 
Well, and I think that's that's such a perfect point, Charlie. I mean, you're you're really looking at it, it's unfortunate that the scope of this pandemic is um, is is how we are all realizing, you know, as a world and as a na nation and as a public health care system, just the level of readiness that we need to be able to operate in under any surge condition. And that could be a, um, you know, that could be a hurricane, it could be an earthquake, it could be a mass shooting, it could be another pandemic, it could be uh, round two if there's another surge that happens again in the fall or in the winter with um, with COVID-19. But I think the message that we all are learning through this process is we've got to have systems and capabilities and communication and interoperability and exchange of information on behalf of the people that live in our communities in any sort of um, crisis or surge situation. And, uh, and, and you know, what, what Charlie just described with um, Arizona's vision, uh, you know, I think is uh, very, very forward thinking. And, and every state really in the country and even other municipalities are now looking at this and saying, okay, now what do we need to do to be ready for the next one? Yeah, and is that one, I mean, obviously there, you know, not a lot of good has come out of this pandemic, but at least the fact that, you know, there's planning for coordination that will benefit further down the line, um, like like you said, no matter what the event is, um, you know, is that is that a, a benefit that initiatives like this will come out of, you know, sort of, you know, bad times? Well, I, I think so. I actually think, you know, it is it is a it's always a super unfortunate way, um, you know, we all grow and learn and and, and um, you know, get better under under crisis. And in this situation, it's it's a it's an unfortunate situation for sure. But I think there's a lot of positives that are going to come out of this. For one, um, everything always looks good on the whiteboard, right? You put the plan together and it all seems like it's going to be you're going to be able to execute it perfectly until the plan is put under stress in a real situation. And that's when you realize, wow, there were things that all seemed fine in prior situations or prior surge situations that under the pressure that we have in this case, it just uh, wasn't enough. And so now we'll take action as a, as a healthcare system and, and as a public health um, uh, system and, and be better prepared the next time. The same can be applied to what the state of Arizona is doing and what health systems like Banner are doing in terms of their preparedness and readiness. And we'll all be better um, for that. I think there's adoption of new technologies that were probably really positive for um, for patients uh, like telemedicine. And I think I think some yeah. of the outcomes that we're seeing there and using new technologies to care for patients are going to be um, better for everyone over the long run. So I'm sure we'll come out of this and find that there were a bunch of positives and things that we learned that will help us all give better care for the long run. Yeah, and Charlie, I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit too, just because obviously, you know, you've been working with other systems and hospitals over the years, but you know how how has this changed? Sort of, you know, sort of what you what you do and how you kind of you know coordinate with others. Yeah, yeah, I, that's I think that's been one of the one of the biggest successes, early successes of this project, and I think one of the things that we'll take away as a state and as different health system leaders 
um, from this is our ability to work together. Uh, you know, we are competitors, and this, I don't want to portray at all that there's such, you know, bad blood or anything like that between any of the systems, but we're competitors. And, um, and to be a part of and to lead um, this group as we've come together um, and put all that aside, the, the collaboration and the willingness to partner and the willingness to share and discuss and, 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 and team up, you know, as one has really been inspiring to be a part of. And uh, I think it's one of the biggest successes of this. And I think something that we will take from this is our ability to continue that. Uh, you know, working with a lot of the, you know, chief medical officers, as well as the transfer center leaders from the various systems, um, I've had numerous conversations uh, with them about, you know, let's not lose this momentum as a health system. And, and, and they've reached out to me and said, you know, when this is all done and, and we've, uh, we're moving on from it and we can look back in the rearview mirror, um, you know, we should still be getting together, at least on some, uh, some sort of regular cadence and discussing transfers and discussing how we're handling the patients and, um, and working together more. So I think, I think that's going to be one of the biggest wins from all of this is um, the pandemic has brought us together uh, as one. Well yeah. said. That's great. And uh, I was actually going to ask, what are some other ways that you can work better together that you maybe you're not now? Like, what are some other areas that, you know, could better be served? Yeah, you, you know, the I think aside from the pandemic, but similar situations, you know, the Arizona in particular, and I know there's a few other states that are similar, you know, I would, I would come to mind, maybe Florida, um, but we have a heavy um, influx of, of, of people um, in the winter time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the retired folks and getting away from the snow from the Midwest and things. And, um, and that coincides with flu season. And so, you know, the end of the year through maybe the first quarter of the year, every year is incredibly busy uh, for our, for our state healthcare system. And so, um, you know, very similar to what we're doing with COVID, there's some opportunity there. You know, aside from that, the Arizona surge line, we've got a few buckets of work um, that are that are kind of falling under this. We're, we got kind of four things we're looking at, one of which being what we've already implemented, and that's the higher level of care. The patients in a in a facility, maybe a rural facility or, or whatever, but a facility that can't care for them for one reason or another. Um, and so we need to get them to that higher level of care. So that's that's what we've launched. There's also an opportunity for lower level of care. So when we're trying to get a patient to um, a skilled nursing facility, a long-term acute care facility, something along those lines. Um, what does that look like? There's a lot of discussion, and always has been a lot of discussion around repatriation. If a patient is coming uh, out of a critical access hospital in in rural Arizona, and we they get the higher level of care treatment that they need, how do we repatriate them back into their community, back into their own health system, so that 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 care um, can be continued and coordinated uh, highly, so that the patient gets what they need once they return home. Um, and so that's another opportunity for the surge line is how do we get the patients to the lower level of care? What is our involvement and facilitation of that uh, to make sure that that goes smoothly? Uh, then we're watching um, transportation. So we expect as the hospitals get overwhelmed, you know, likely transportation would follow suit. We don't know that for sure. It's private companies and we'd have to see how they respond. Mm-hmm. But um, we would expect, you know, long offload times and things like that. And so um from the surge line right now, it's just a monitoring, uh, maybe some some um, high level engagement with transportation, because again, we don't want to infringe on their normal processes at the hospitals, but um, but trying to coordinate that a little better, you know, as you get further away from the city, transportation becomes a little bit more challenging. Uh, you know, it just takes a little bit longer to get an ambulance there or a helicopter there or whatever it may be. Now they're using fixed wing, you know, all those types of stuff. And so, so we're looking at that opportunity. And then the last 
um, bucket of work within the surge line is a consultative service. Um, what we what we've built it for, or what we're what, what was originally conceptualized for the surge line was, you know, if we get to that place where all of our hospitals are full, um, and potentially even overwhelmed, and we're triaging patients now, and they're not going to be accepted for transfer because of their likelihood of survival, um, could we offer at the surge line a palliative care consult? Um, and, and what would that look like? And then the other piece of that is maybe a patient's been accepted and needs to be transferred in, but there's going to be that transportation issue or the hospitals are overwhelmed. They've accepted the patient, but it might be some time before they can actually give them the bed assignment. Um, could we offer a critical care uh, consultation to help manage that patient in place um, until we get them moved? So, so we're looking at that as well as, you know, how can we support the, you know, the prisons, the long-term acute cares from a, from a consultative perspective and, and helping determine when a patient should or should not be transferred, um, all those kinds of things. So those are all expansion opportunities on the surge line, and they've got, you know, depending on what's in front of us and what we're experiencing, they've got uh, varying levels of urgency, uh, but all of which I think will be uh, will be addressed and eventually undertaken to some degree. And when you were sort of putting the the surge line together, was was it a pretty uh, unanimous uh, support for it from all the systems involved? Did, did it take some convincing for some of them to get involved or did you find it was you know everybody kind of really jumped on board right away yeah you know you know back to that collaboration has really been inspiring it, there's very little uh hesitation and pushback you know we've had every major hospital system in uh phoenix and tucson jump right in and and be involved in daily meetings and trying to get this thing established because you know we don't know you know again to the earlier mm -hmm. point is the is the peak already past us is the peak still a week away uh, is the peak a month away, um, there's, depending on what you look at. And so we're still trying to prepare for the worst and make sure that we get this thing stood up and fully functioning and, and well-oiled before we get there. Um, and so there's been incredible engagement. Now, of course, there's, you know, those those trust but verify type of things, and I don't blame anybody for that. You know, um, mm -hmm. you know an example, I, I am a Banner Health employee. Uh, you know, I'm working for the state and, um, and helping stand this up and, and have relinquished my Banner uh, responsibilities for that period, um, but I'm still a Banner Health employee, right? And so, you know, there's uh, we've had to have some conversations and just reassurance and 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 things like that to uh, to assure all of the systems. You know, while we are working together, um, you know, uh, we really are doing this as one, and and there's no different understanding of protocols or processes or anything like that, depending on which system is um, is engaged. So. Um, so there's been little things like that, you know, um, that we just needed to work through. But what's been great with uh, the Central Logic application, and again, the reason that, you know, when the state contacted me and said, would you be willing to stand this up? It was, I mean, it wasn't exactly this words, but it was more or less, yes, as long as I can use Central Logic, because I know that'll work and I know we can make that happen quickly. Um, but, but Central Logic has provided us, you know, the reporting from, you know, we can look at where the patients are coming from, where are they going to, what percentage of patients are going to this system or that. And so as some of those kind of questions pop up or those, you know, those lingering uh, needs to verify and validate what we've all said we would do, that we are actually doing it, it's very easy to quickly pull those reports and send them off and to just uh, put everybody at ease. So little things have popped up, but really as a whole, it's been um, uh, mutual collaboration and engagement across the board. That's great. Um, Angie, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more just about how uh, Central Logic's uh, platform actually works. Now, it's basically taking data from electronic health records, correct, uh, as part of this? 
so we the the great thing about Arizona in this case was they have a statewide HIE. So we're taking data, um, we're taking feeds from the uh, statewide HIE, which populates our solution for uh, ensuring that we can load balance patients across the state. Um, but it is, uh, so our platform is delivered in the cloud. It's, it's a um, SaaS solution. It is um, highly interoperable. So we integrate on, on every implementation we integrate with um, typically, well, for sure the EMR and then um, usually three or four other subsystems as well as, as the telephone system. And uh, it, is, it is designed to capture data and record information and timestamp the journey and facilitate decision-making. And, uh, and, and the data that is captured through that process as Charlie just um, alluded to is, is really um, just valuable information then that we build um, pretty sophisticated reports on the back end that, uh, that can allow the, uh, the leadership team to look at that information and, and adjust, um, make different decisions or utilize that information in strategic planning or, or you know, really other um, whether it could be compliance needs, et cetera. So that's the way the platform and the technology operates. And how long did it take to sort of scale up to get, um, you know, to get the regional access center going? Well, Charlie, do you want me to let you take that one? Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, sure. Uh, so we, we, I was contacted by the state as kind of a discovery discussion. Um, you know, and, and forgive me, I don't know the dates right in front of me, but on a Wednesday. And um, and we just started having some discussions and conceptualizing what this could be. Um, and then that was the point that I, that, you know, that I started to formally get involved uh, by being, uh, you know, kind of donated by Banner Health to the state um, to help with this. And so that was on a Wednesday. Uh, by Friday, we had all of the major health systems on the phone. Um, we spent probably, let's see, so that was Friday. So the next week we spent developing processes, protocols, um, you know, walking through different scenarios and, and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, we were live by uh, the following Wednesday was the soft launch. So uh, two weeks to date for the, the launch. And, um, and then, you know, it was about five or six days from there uh, in which Governor Jesse announced um, the surge line. And then we were able to push out all the communication and, and it's kind of ramped up from there. So uh, wildly fast, incredibly fast yeah. uh, stand up where, you know, in collaboration between multiple uh, different vendors and parties to help us from an external as well as all the health systems in the state. Have you ever seen anything come together that quickly before? Uh, at this scale, anyways? I, I have not. I will tell you that was. That was uh, impressive what uh, what Charlie and the leaders of the state of Arizona led from a technology perspective, you know, when you've got a cloud delivery model um, and we had we we largely used the uh, framework for what was um, what, uh, you know, the team at Banner was already using. So we had a, a pretty good starting point and footprint. It made it easier to uh, to do that setup. We we uh, 
we've since created a what we call more of a model home on the technology side whereas you know as other states come up we've got the configuration all ready to go to just um, set the uh, um, configure the solution on a state by state basis or other you know regional needs basis so that we could do this just as quickly it's great yeah yeah in, in comparison I remember when we when we went live with this similar solution, identical solution, I suppose, at Banner, uh, there was all sorts of celebration, you know, between the two organizations because uh, we did it so fast, we did it in three months. Uh, and there was all sorts of celebrating, you know, virtual high fives and that kind of thing uh, to go live as quickly as we did. And I was, I was joking with some of those implementation folks and said, well, three months was fun. Now we got it in two weeks. So it was, uh, it was, it was fun to be a part of. But you know what? The 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 technology isn't the 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 barrier. It's the leadership that is required to pull those parties together, to get everybody at the table, to make the decisions, to um, to get this done. And and that's that was the that that I think was the most impressive part is really the leadership from uh, Charlie and from the state of Arizona to make this happen. Technically, you know, it's uh, it wasn't that difficult. Um, so going forward, obviously there's a lot of unknowns, you know, we don't know when the peak's going to be, we don't know when things are going to quote unquote die down. Um, you know, how do you sort of, you know, I guess benchmark and, and, and sort of plan for, you know, sort of the future of the program? Is it just sort of monitoring and, and, you know, you make decisions as, as events happen? Yeah, you know, that's, that's really it, is uh, we're, the, the reporting that we get um, and that we're able to analyze on a, uh, on a real-time basis, really, in all honesty, um, but, but that we look at daily and weekly, we quantify these reports, and, you know, we can see things like how many new hospitals sent us patients this week versus last week versus the week before, and, you know, that's really a strong indicator of is the disease still spreading or is the virus still spreading. Um, so we look at that. We look at just, of course, our overall volumes day over day and week over week. And, and you know, we are still climbing. You know, each day is essentially our highest day to date. Um, we've had a couple of times that didn't happen. But basically, since we went live, today is always the busiest day. Um, so that's that's still going up. And um, so we'll just continue to monitor, continue to monitor those transfers, continue to monitor the, the bed uh, capacities uh, at the different hospital systems and even the hospitals and, and just try to make sure that... Um, you know, if and when we do decide to stand this down, that it's it's safe to do so. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, if there's a resurgence, you know, in the fall or next winter, um, you can always ramp it back up again, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You know, we and, and, and just as much as watching all of the different, being part of all the different health systems coming together, um, all of the different uh, external partners, you know, whether that's the, the folks who are helping us staff the surge line, staffers that are taking the phone calls, or it's the phone, the actual phone system that is engaged with us, or it's the HIE, you know, working with Central Logic directly to help us. Um, all of those folks have been so engaged. And so, you know, if it were to take off on us, and again, you know, I, I just know that everybody would be there and be able to support that surge. I think actually I'm all set. So I, uh, I appreciate uh, you guys taking the time, Charlie Larson and uh, and Angie Franks. So thanks so much, and uh, good luck with the uh, you know with the I guess the rest of the way. Obviously, like we said, we don't really know when uh, when things are going to wind down, but hopefully uh, hopefully uh, it'll it'll happen soon. So thank you so much.
Thanks so much, Jay. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Thanks for the time. All right. And that wraps up episode three of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes on the show's page on psqh.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.